0: Telehealth and virtual visits have grown in popularity during the pandemic, and joining me today to offer advice for your child's first virtual visit is Dr. Ambreen Syed. She's a pediatrician at Stanford Children's Health. This is Health Talks from Stanford Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. Doctor, thanks so much for joining me. I've actually had a telehealth visit myself during the pandemic, and it was pretty cool. My doctor was on my phone, and I could see her, and she could see me. But I want to have you tell everybody, what exactly is telehealth? What is a virtual visit?
1: So a telehealth visit is basically you can do a video chat with your pediatrician or your physician through a medium where we can actually see you and then chat at the same time through audio. And the advantage of this versus just doing a telephone visit is that a lot of times you can share videos, you can share pictures, and we can also get an assessment of generally a very basic physical exam in conjunction with the history of the concern that you have. So we can give you a better assessment than what we could do on just telephone with where you just have audio. So, having that video piece is very helpful because just straight away you can tell if a patient is having difficulty breathing or respiratory distress and they need to go to the ER. You can tell them immediately you need to go to the ER. Uh, but on the phone, it's a lot harder. So, being able to have that video piece really helps us make a better assessment for the patient. So, being able to do video visit, what you would call FaceTime on an iPhone, but we would be doing it in a way through the electronic medical record, which is more secure than doing FaceTime. But essentially, you're doing a FaceTime visit with your doctor.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're right, the video portion is so key. And doctor, what are some of the benefits to telehealth?
1: When telehealth first started several years ago, we were really excited in the realm of the mental health space, as well as access to care. Being able to provide therapy through telehealth, that meant we could provide more frequent therapy. We could do assessments. We could do psychiatric assessments through telehealth, which really was a huge piece of expanding that mental health care access and also for access to care in general to the underserved community. So telehealth became a real interesting platform that we could use to provide care using the school systems as a platform where you could have the school nurse and the child and then the general pediatrician in the community on telehealth, and we could do a well visit for that child and provide more care, more access to care. So those were kind of the two exciting realms when uh, telehealth first started. And then as we started to use telehealth more and looking more as through the lens of a general pediatrician. So pre-COVID, as a general pediatrician, in general, we felt that visits that didn't require a very involved physical exam in the overall assessment of the child, those types of visits were great for telehealth. So what that translated to visits where parents are struggling with behavioral issues or toddler with temper tantrums or potty training issues or sleep training issues, those were great visits for telehealth visits. We also found that visits where patients were following up on lab studies or imaging studies that were done, those were a great fit for telehealth as well. And as we touched on behavioral concerns, concerns about ADHD, those were great visits for telehealth. And we also found that follow-up on chronic issues. So um, children who are uh, working on weight management, helping them through their journey. So we found that more frequent visits with patients who are working on their weight translates to better outcomes. And so on average, it's about 26 visits in a year that really helps kids improve their weight. So that translates to every other week. So coming in for an in-person visit every other week is very challenging to just orchestrate in our busy lives and schedule-wise. So being able to offer telehealth, maybe do a telehealth and then two weeks later do a in-person and then two weeks later do a telehealth. So that will turn translate into more of a monthly visit, in-person visit, which is much easier than every two weeks and we can really help with that weight loss journey for patients. We find that generally it also allows parents to discuss concerns that they may not want to discuss in front of their child. So telehealth becomes really helpful in that realm because we can start with the parent discussing what they're concerned about and then we can bring the patient into the visit and I as a provider can really focus my history and physical assessment based on what the parents are describing. Whereas on the person side, a lot of times it would get flipped. So the child would come in, we would, you know, generally talk to the child, see how things are going, examine the child, and then we would do a full follow up phone conversation later with the parents to discuss, you know, what they were concerned about that they didn't want to mention in front of the child. And so then you're kind of backtracking and trying to go back and see, okay, did I see what they were concerned about? Did I not? Whereas if I do it in telehealth and they tell me before what they're concerned about, I can really focus my assessment based on their concerns. So that has been really helpful as well. I also think in terms of the access of care for patients who have a rare diagnoses, like a rare genetic disorder or a rare medical illness, telehealth really allows them to connect with the national expert in that field whose life's research has been on that disease. So they can actually connect with those providers via telehealth and don't have to drive 200 miles to see the expert in that field. So I feel like that's really helped in terms of access to care.
0: And of course, we all now sort of see the world in a pre and post COVID way. Let's talk about post COVID.
1: Looking at things from a post-COVID standpoint, telehealth has been instrumental for us in separating the sick patients from the well patients. And this is really what we saw in other countries that were successful with these con- disease containment stat- strategies, they really did a great job separating patients who were coming in for their well checkups and patients who were sick. And so telehealth really allows us to do that. We're able to really pre-screen patients via telehealth. So any child who is having symptoms that could be COVID but who's generally doing okay, telehealth is a great way for us to assess and see how the child is doing see how the child is breathing, I can order a COVID test if I think it's necessary, and the child can then go to a testing site and get tested. So we've saved the patient from having to come into the clinic to potentially expose other patients, and we've saved that patient from being exposed by others by closing that loop a little bit. With telehealth, in terms of looking at ER overload and urgent care overload, I feel like telehealth with COVID is really helping for these patients who are having more mild symptoms. We are helping to reduce the pressure on the urgent cares and the ERs that are seeing a lot of these patients right now because they cannot go to their regular doctor for fear of exposing other patients who are in the office to whatever symptoms they're having.
0: And doctor, when we think about injuries, how about pre and post COVID?
1: Pre-COVID, injuries were more of a in-person type of thing. But now for a child, if they're old enough to really explain exactly what had happened and if they can localize exactly where their pain is, if the parent can palpate on the bone and I can see exactly where the patient's hurting, I can actually order an x-ray or imaging without having them come in. And that saves them from going to the urgent care, from coming to the clinic to potentially be exposed to others. So that's actually been helpful as well in the post-COVID world.
0: And doctor, are there any Limits to telehealth?
1: Of course, telehealth does have its limits. So when we do need to do a more involved exam, that's where telehealth is a little bit more challenging, especially for younger children who cannot really explain what they're feeling or where they're feeling it or why they're feeling miserable. We really rely on our physical exam in those situations. So typically that's in younger children, children with special needs, children who have difficulty expressing themselves or sensory issues. Those will actually probably be better assessed in an in-person type of setting. The other limitation is with some of our teenage patients. Depending on the medical concern, there may be a history-taking portion of the visit that we need to do if it's pertinent to the medical concern. And so, in a telehealth setting, the patient might not feel that it's a completely private situation for them. So they might not be able to really disclose everything um, that they would have been able to disclose in the in-person setting, where we would ask the parent to leave the room so the patient can really express what's going on and disclose anything that's pertinent to the concern that they have. Any concern where we'll probably have to do an in-office test, such as if we're screening for a urinary tract infection or if there's ear pain where we have to look in the ear, if there's throat pain, if we want to do a swab for strep, if there is a wound that we need to clean out or potentially put stitches in or glue, those obviously would be better in-person visits.
0: You know, I'm wondering about rashes and how they show up in virtual visits
1: rashes are kind of 50-50. On screen, a lot of times the resolution is not as good as photos. And so the video is nice because I can kind of get a dynamic sense of the rash, but a lot of times resolution isn't great. So what I usually recommend parents do is if they can send me a photo ahead of time, and then we do the telehealth, then I have a great resolution photo. And then I can also assess it more dynamically through the telehealth visit and give a better assessment. You know, If we do start with the telehealth, there's always a chance that we might convert it to, in-person visit, depending what's going on. But it's a good screening tool, I think, you know, because it could potentially save you from coming in. And especially in the setting of COVID, I think reducing how much people have to movement and how much they have to come in is definitely helpful from a public health standpoint.
0: So much great information there. And doctor, how are kids responding to telehealth visits?
1: Well, so they've done really well, I think, because everything is going online now. So school has been online. Um, my daughter's soccer practice is online. <laughs> so I think it's just being online for your daily activities has become so normal. So seeing your doctor online has <laughs> become quite normal for them. And they generally are doing really well, especially with the children who, you know, around 12 months of age, we see a lot of sort of stranger anxiety kick in. So they're really interested in their surroundings. But once someone comes in to try to listen to their heart or examine their legs, they're just not happy. So seeing those younger kids in their natural environment is really, really helpful for me as a provider from a developmental standpoint. When I see a child walking around their little playroom, I can get a real sense of their fine motor skills. They're playing with their favorite toy and I can see their fine motor skills. I can see how they're moving around the room because they're nice and relaxed. A lot of times in the exam room, they've been waiting for a little bit. The children get start to get a little antsy. They're running around the room. They're trying to get into the sink or getting into the cleaning detergents under the sink. And then the parents are getting nervous, especially with COVID. They don't want them touching the floor. And so um, a lot of times, parents sometimes feel like they don't have the time to really go through all of their concerns because they just want to pick up, scoop up their kid and get the vaccines and leave. So that's been really nice. So I've actually tried doing well checks in a hybrid way. And that's been really great. So what we do for our checkups, the counseling portion is a huge portion of the visit. So I've actually broken up some of our checkups where I do the counseling portion as a telehealth visit, and then the patient comes in later for a physical exam and their vaccines, and then they're done. And so what's been really nice with that is I've had patients who were in the office for less than 10 minutes just to get their physical exam and their vaccines, but we did a really nice in-depth counseling portion where the child was nice and relaxed walking around the room. And the parents could really express to me all the concerns that they had. And I also got a really great social developmental assessment, seeing them in their surroundings, nice and comfortable. I can see how they're interacting with people. If they're in the office, sometimes they're starting to get a little anxious and uh, nervous about the vaccine. So, you know, that there might be a little bit of that. So I might not get a great assessment of their social development at that standpoint. So that's been really, really great, actually, seeing them in their environment. And they're excited. They're always excited to see me on the screen. And I think with, uh, with COVID, it's been a nice social activity to see your doctor on the screen. So that's kind of been nice too. <laughs>
0: and doctor, how can we prepare ourselves and our kiddos for telehealth visits?
1: As with anything with children, whether a child is going to be getting a blood draw or vaccines or coming in for an in-person or a telehealth visit, I really like to tell parents familiarity is huge for children. The more familiar they are with something, the more open they are. Surprises are a little bit harder, especially for the younger ones. So prepping the patient ahead of time. If they're going to be getting blood draw vaccines, I usually tell parents, you know, maybe get some toy doctor set uh, a week or two weeks before and do a few episodes of play with them where they give you a shot. And then you give them a shot, and you know just so that they're kind of used to that whole process of how we're holding the hand to do the shot. Or if you're doing a blood draw, you can you know get a little rubber band and um, you know kind of play that. Oh, that's the tourniquet, and they're going to tie that, and then they're going to take a little bit of blood. So same thing with telehealth. I think just kind of um, doing some pretend play, like oh, we're going to see your doctor next week, and your doctor is going to be on the computer. And then if you're doing a pretend doctor play visit, you could do it with an iPad. And like, oh hi doctor, and just so they're kind of getting used to it. So that usually tends to really help kids prepare for anything, whether it be telehealth or a blood draw or vaccines. So I usually try to tell parents to do a little play with them. From a technical standpoint, all that's really needed is either a laptop, phone, or a tablet that has a video or a mic attached to it, a good internet connection, and if a parent doesn't have these devices, they can come to any Stanford Children's Clinic and connect with Their pediatrician through the devices that we have in our clinics on site. And in terms of just kind of troubleshooting and technical standpoint, it's good for parents to read through the MyChart instructions as to what to do with checking in for the telehealth. Try to check in early so that you can troubleshoot if there are any connection issues. Checking your internet to make sure that is looking good, making sure you're not on mute, making sure the microphone is working. The other thing is to make sure you're in a quiet, Space and a private space. So, doing a telehealth visit in a cafe it doesn't meet HIPAA and patient confidentiality guidelines. So, we do need to be in a private location to help protect patient information. A well lit area with lamps. Natural light is good, but too much natural light can kind of fade out the patient, so we can't see them as well. So, sort of a nice balance of those things. Also, having some photos sent ahead of time, if there is some sort of image or something that you want the doctor to take a look at, taking a picture ahead of time and sending that ahead of time is really good. And a couple things you can keep with you, a flashlight. Sometimes that helps to look in the throat or the nose. For the older kids, I'm having a flashlight available. Parents write their list of questions that they're concerned about. That helps with any visit and to help prioritize those questions in case we cannot address all the issues in that visit, kind of prioritizing your top three. That's helpful. And it's good to have a thermometer on hand because that will help give us a vital sign. And then with wearables, it's so amazing now what they can do. And I think the new Apple watch does a pulse oximetry and a heart rate um, and even a rhythm, heart rhythm strip. So if you have a wearable, you know, have that available, we may be able to use that if it's pertinent to the concern at the visit.
0: And Dr. Sayed, you touched on this a little bit, but let's talk about HIPAA, patient privacy. What are the concerns when it comes to telehealth visits?
1: So with telehealth, we do recommend that patients log in to telehealth through their um, MyChart or their patient portal, because at Stanford Children's, our patient portal is linked with Zoom. And so it's a much more secure line than doing a telehealth visit via WebEx or via FaceTime, we want everything to be a little bit more secure. With photos that are sent through MyChart, those are encrypted and sent, but we haven't gotten to the ability that we can send video images in an encrypted way through the electronic medical record. So telehealth has been really great from that perspective because I have had patients, they have videos of sounds that their child is making when they sleep or movements that the child is making. And we actually did a split screen where they showed me the video and I could see the patient and. And then I could see the video of the clips that they had seen. Um, And so that's been incredible because before we would have to have the patient come in to share that video with me because we didn't have an encrypted way of sending it through my chart. But now through telehealth that's integrated through the medical record, we're able to have more secure visits.
0: And so due to the information that's being shared, we should probably try to avoid doing these in public, right?
1: if you are in a public environment, there's a lot of patient descriptors. We don't want patient information to be disseminated or identifiers to be disseminated and people to use that information to commit fraud. So we really want to help protect against that. And what we do try to tell patients is that the visits are not recorded. So the video visits are not recorded and they should not be recorded by the patient and they will not be recorded by the provider unless there's already a predetermined discussion about that and consent process that's been done. In very rare instances for educational purposes or for research purposes, they may want to have the visits on video, but that would be discussed ahead of time and consents would be done between the provider and the patients. But in general, the videos are not recorded. For us at Stanford Children's, we can do telehealth if they're in the state of California. So out-of-state telehealth is a little bit more challenging. It's only allowed if it's for an ongoing concern that was already established while the patient was in California. So that could apply to our college students that are over, you know, in out of state for school. If it's something that they're checking in on, like a medication refill or something that was kind of diagnosed while they're in California, then we can do those. But for a new problem, we are not able to do those out of state via telehealth. And the California confidentiality laws still apply to telehealth visits. Access patients' rights to access to medical records still apply with telehealth as well.
0: And we've talked about the pros and cons of telehealth. You know, some visits are ideal for telehealth and others, maybe a face-to-face is indicated. But who exactly decides if or when a telehealth visit is appropriate?
1: So usually what we recommend is, for example, if there is some sort of concern, usually a patient will call the office, and a lot of times our advice nurse will triage all of the concerns, and then she will usually make a decision as to whether this is something that's appropriate for telehealth or not. But patients can always ask for a telehealth, because we can always start with something as telehealth, and then we can move it to uh, an in-person visit if we need to. So a patient can still request a telehealth, but a lot of times the provider and the nurse and the nurses will decide which problems seem like they could be managed via telehealth and which may not seem appropriate. So usually a discussion between the providers and the nurses will kind of help decide which ones are appropriate, which ones are not. But certainly patients can request it and um, we can always start it off as telehealth and convert to in-person if we need to.
0: And as we wrap up today, doctor, for people and parents who are weary about telehealth, help them to know that it's safe, easy, and worth a try.
1: Yeah, I think telehealth as with anything that's new it's always a little scary and I think it's always worth it to try it out especially in the world that we're in now where we're really trying to limit how much people have to go out and into their cars and go to another public space it can really help you know curb that exposure risk a lot of times if we do need to do a follow up exam we can really get a really good history from telehealth because you're in a nice comfortable setting you haven't been driving through traffic and had difficulty parking and then you walk in and you're already half tired to begin with so you You might not be able to really discuss all your concerns. So I feel like we can actually get a very nice and relaxed history. And then if we need to bring you in, we can do a very focused physical exam and do it in an efficient way. For us as providers, we were scared too, especially in the pediatric world. You know, A lot of our assessment, we rely heavily on our physical exam because kids cannot really express what's going on. But the more we've used it, the more we've seen that there are certain situations that it actually can create a better overall experience than the in-person. And so I definitely think, you know, as we were a little worried, now that we've been using it a lot more, we're a lot more comfortable. And we've actually seen a lot of situations where it can actually be a better experience. So I definitely think it's worth a shot.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's a great way to end. Telehealth is worth a try and kind of fun for kids, maybe even something that gets them excited about seeing their doctor. Thanks so much for your time today, doctor, and you stay well.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: And for more information, visit stanfordchildrens.org. And we hope you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. And if you did, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Health Talks from Stanford Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well, and we'll talk again next time.